Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance, as we are now in Exodus chapter 6 today, as we're venturing through the Bible. And again, it's been such a joy and, a, and a, an adventure, if you will, to, to see what God is continuing to do here in the life of Moses. And you know, it's funny, when I think about uh, people with the Old Testament, a lot of people don't like to read it because they think that maybe it's just because it's irrelevant. It doesn't pertain to them. It didn't pertain to them uh, right now as we speak. But yet it's interesting because we see that just because things were different back then, the issues weren't different. You know, the 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 enemy is working strongly now, just as he was back then, it might even seem even more so right now as we speak. But again, like I said, when we look at the things of, of the Old Testament, through the things of Exodus and the things that people went through, we don't see too much of a difference with the exception of modern day technology and, and, and cultural standards, if you will. But we have, again, the same God now as there was then that we're reading about. The same God that basically had his hand upon Moses is the same God who has the same hand upon us now. Yes, different situations. But, you know, we take a look at the previous chapters. And I, I had some called the, uh, uh, the reluctant candidate, which was Moses. Moses was reluctant in why he was called to do what he was going to do. Because we've all heard this old saying, to, uh, don't kill the messenger. You know, when we have to be called to be the bearer of bad news, that is always the um, that is always one of the uh, worst jobs that somebody could have, as being that the messenger, the bearer of bad news. And it's interesting when you look at like labor statistics over the years. Some of the most dangerous jobs and occupations, and whether it be in the United States or around the world, is as you can take a look and use some examples such as like something as a logger, a lumberjack, or a logger. You know the the accidents, the fatalities that have happened there. Uh, whether it be a fireman or a policeman, you know with the with the dangers in those positions, and even as well as fishermen, commercial fishermen too, is some of the most dangerous jobs that there are out there from drownings and and stuff like that and yet you know we take the uh, we could look at the ancient world you know the job of a messenger was probably the top of that list because most people especially ancient rulers they hated getting bad news more than anyone you know and so we can take examples like this the roman emperor tiberius you know he received a really nasty prediction he didn't like it one bit so what he did was he hurled the messenger off of a cliff so you know what who can blame moses right in our own minds who can blame him for being reluctant to deliver the news to pharaoh one of the most you know vicious rulers of the time who who thought that he was something above uh, god or a god in himself and so Moses didn't realize, he didn't realize that the success of his mission, it didn't depend on his skill at the time, okay? It depended on his faith. And then second, he'd see God's faithfulness. You know, God could have sent anyone to deliver the message to Pharaoh, but you know what? No, he chose, he chose Moses. God picked Moses and, and he gave Moses the strength and the skills that he needed to complete that assignment. And, and what's, what's important to remember is when it comes to the things of God that he calls us to do, just as it was for Moses, it's easy for us to reason and argue with God. I don't have the skills to be a leader in the church or, or a speaker, you know. Why don't you send somebody else? Well, yet we see, you know, we see our own weakness. And, and, that, and that shouldn't stop us from carrying out our, our God-given assignment, 
Because, you know, our marching orders comes through God's strength and assistance. And, and again, it's not about skill. It's about faithfulness. It's about the will to be faithful. But again, like I said, who wants to be the bearer of bad news? There's some people out there that just have no qualms about giving bad news. I'll never forget one time when I was uh, getting my car repaired one time, or I was getting brakes done, I can't remember. And as I was standing in line to get the uh, to get the verdict on what was needed to be done, the gentleman behind the counter was uh, telling the people what basically what had to been done from uh, from their other cars. And I'm listening to this because there was two other people ahead of me, and he just seemed to enjoy what he was doing. He kept he would smile and shake his head. He's like, "Yeah," he goes, "It's it's not good. It's gonna be, yeah. We're looking at quite a bit here, you know." And and, uh, and it's almost like he had this sense of enjoyment for doing it. And by the time it got to me, it was the same thing. I was the third person in, and he said the same exact thing. He just kind of smiled and shook his head. He's like, yep. He goes, he goes, that's quite a bit. You know, it doesn't look good. And I thought to myself, it's, it's funny that he's not even the mechanic. <laughs> he's not the one fixing the stuff, but yet he's, he's the bearer of bad news. And he seemed to enjoy what it was he was doing. And nobody likes those, you know. And I can understand why, why some people are reluctant to do that because, you know, just as you guys, uh, I've said before, um, I've mentioned in the past that I am a, I'm also a trained chaplain for emergency response, uh, chaplaincy. And one of the training aspects of that is, is that when you have to be one of the ones to go and deliver bad news to someone about a catastrophe, a lot of times you'll go with a police officer. And then a lot of times you'll have a plan, an escape plan, or you'll have some sort of plan of defense because you do not know what's going to happen. And so Moses was in that position. He didn't know what was going to happen. But God was with him as God is with us. The key is, is making sure that we're close to God and making sure we're within his realm and within his path at all times. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 6, and we can go ahead and see exactly what's going to happen here. Uh, we're looking at ex uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will, he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant." I mentioned in earlier chapters that Moses was just getting his feet wet with God. The introduction just happened at the burning bush. And now he's in action in obeying and trusting God. See, God is so graceful because God repeated himself. He reminded Moses what he would do. God will be with him and Aaron. And God will deliver the people. He will show the Pharaoh who is in charge. And this was repeated to Moses a few times. But what Moses didn't know was the, the relationship between God and Moses, okay, Moses' forefathers, being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the covenant that was made with God and this important family of patriarchs. See, where Moses was privileged, it was actually knowing God by his name in an introduction by God himself. 
Because Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they knew God, but it was in the title of Elohim, the all-powerful creator. And also in the Hebrew text, it could be seen that God was also called El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, uh, the, the almighty. And, and God made a covenant, and, and covenants were unbreakable bonds and promises made between people that had more seriousness and repercussions for breaking it compared to our day in promises and contracts. See, God does not forget, and nor will he break a covenant promise. And that promise was the land of Canaan, known as Israel. This prime little piece of land about the size of the state of New Jersey, if you're familiar with the United States geography. God remembered that covenant. And Moses is the one to help lead the people into that covenant where Abraham got the promise. Moses will be a part of the action in the promise. Because Moses will experience a relationship with God that is closer in some ways beyond just knowing his name, but knowing God in the ways that others did not. Now, was Moses favored? No, by all means. God was choosing Moses for that time and task because God knows what he's doing, of course. God doesn't look for people who know who knows what they're doing or thinks they know what they're doing. He's looking for people who trust in what God is doing and willing to follow what God is doing. Moses was that person. And we see that that it went beyond God wanting people to just see him as almighty creator. You know, that's it, right? That's all we ever see God as almighty creator. He wanted us to he wanted it to be beyond just that, right? The patriarchs were there for the making of the covenant. And Moses will be there for, for the fulfilling of it. And, and both experienced the blessings and the grace of God. And both got to experience the loving father that God was. One who cares and has a plan and a place for those who want him. A place on earth and in, more importantly a place in heaven. See, it was easy to see the fatherly demeanor of God because he didn't just refer to them as the people of Israel, but in the text, in the next verse of uh, verse 6, he, he says the children of Israel in his adoption is how he puts it. Let's, let's see what God uh, does now in verse 6. It says, Therefore say to the children of Israel that I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage, for I am the Lord." So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Uh, in previous chapters, when Moses spoke on behalf of the people, uh, the Pharaoh was angered. They will not leave, he says. They're not going to leave. In fact, they're going to work even harder. And after that, Moses was now on the unfavored list. He was on the black list of his own people. 
And he reminded God of that, but did not realize that God already knew that Moses didn't. Moses didn't. You know, God knew what was going to happen because God said that I will do all of these things. And because we have the Bible, we know everything that he promised. Everything, ha- everything has happened. It all came to pass. But at this time, it was a setback. And, and what, does, what does that do? It brings frustration, uh, discouragement, for, uh, and fear for some. Uh, I would imagine all of those and then some in the empire after Pharaoh made them work even harder was was not an easy task for Moses to have to sit back and think like, oh, I've got this now, you know. Because when we look at the term that there was anguish of spirit, it was more than just nerves, okay? It would be like a, the way in the Hebrew text, it would be like a child who's inconsolable. When, when they weep, you know, they're breathing heavy and they're sobbing out loud. This was a very serious matter for the people. But God was teaching Moses a valuable lesson in leadership. And I noticed that by God reminding Moses to be persistent with the message, to let them go, he didn't have to make harsher threats. You know, Moses wasn't told to revamp his method. Just go back and tell them to, tell them to let him go. Don't give up, Moses, is what God was doing. Keep going. Keep going in and remind the Pharaoh to do just that, and I will do the rest as promised. Because God wants us to focus on him regardless of results. You know, we just like those in slavery want to see results, but we forget who allows the results to happen. The will of God is important to know and to accept. Obedience to God is more important than results because we find ourselves, or at least some some people, being obedient by results only. The will of God will always prevail, and this was the will of God. And Pharaoh will not listen to me, Moses said. He made known to God that he was not an eloquent speaker, and and now I am of uncircumcised lips. So he's really kind of lowering himself even more. (laughs) Moses was not doing this on his own personal accord. There are some out there who actually want to be spokesmen, or or they want to be in the limelight of sorts. They want to tell someone that, you know, they love telling people that they're wrong and have no qualms about doing it. But Moses was not that person. Because, you know what, Moses tried that uh, back when he was in the Egyptian Empire when there was two fighting Hebrew men. He saw these two guys fighting and he called them out on it. He, says, he said, why are, you two guys, why are you guys fighting? You're brothers, right? And then they called him out on what he did by murdering that Egyptian and then trying to hide it. Well, Moses fled the scene and now he's back 40 years later. See, the reason being is because God is building him back up with integrity and endurance. When we surrender to the will of God, we see results. It is never easy to be on the black list of your own people, or anyone, but how much better to be on the right page with God. See, when I teach the Bible, I have no idea if it's liked or if it's appreciated. I don't know if it's appreciated by the people, but my main concern is, did I teach it for what it was saying? And most importantly, is the Lord pleased with it? Because all we can do is follow the path that God creates. And from there we trust in his hand that the provisions will be made. So in verse 14, let's take a look here. Verse 14 to 27 gives basically a genealogy of Moses. So quite a bit of verses here. Moses had uh, quite a genealogy here. 
It starts out by saying that these were the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, or Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, and these are the families of Reuben. So he goes down the list uh, of the genealogy. Uh, the Bible has a lot of, of uh, sections in the Bible, and sometimes complete chapters where it's nothing but, but genealogy and names of people. So these verses, again, are strictly names. So if, if you have your Bible with you, yeah, I'd say feel free to observe them. And know that even though we may not see all of them throughout the Bible, their names were in the Word of God, and that is an honor to be in there. In fact, I want to quote a, a British evangelist from the, 18, uh, from the late 1800s. His name was Fred, uh, Frederick B. Meyer. And he made a very profound comment in regards to this passage of genealogies. And I quote, it says, Tread gently here. This is a private burying ground, the last resting place of the founders of a family to which the world is deeply indebted for priceless service. And I couldn't have said it any better. And may we see such reverence for these things as the pastors and leaders of the old generations did, such as Frederick here. But there are three names. Uh, there are three names that I do want to mention in the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Moses and Aaron, uh, that I will mention. The names are Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And these three in their families will be given specific duties in their priestly service to God. And so the genealogies of Moses and Aaron were used as a form of credentials and authority. Uh, but more importantly, they were as a remembrance of honor, like those who actually died in active service of the military. And I, I don't always like to read the names out loud for the sake of butchering their names, but I do read them because I want to remember those names when I see them in heaven, amen? I want to be able to know, basically, like, oh, I knew exactly who you were. I read your name in the Word of God. And the neat thing about the Word of God is that the names of the people that were involved in different things of importance, they were documented, whether it was in priesthood uh, or whether it was ones involved in rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. There was a sense of importance to make sure that they were named. And the most important, of course, is that God knew who did who did what in the Bible, and he documented it. You know, he documented it in the actions of his heart. In his book of life is the document where you want to make sure that your name is written. These things on earth are the blessings and privilege that we get to be a part of in service to God. But in his glory, God remembers all things. And, and I speak of these genealogy verses, you know, as to remember these people of importance. They were slaves in bondage in Egypt. They were in harsh weather and even harsher environment. And, and God not only will deliver them, but also ordain them into something great for his glory. You know, we have that opportunity right now. Because may God use you each day for his glory in some way. Many say that each day is a blessing. And time is important. And my prayer is that we will not be wasting time anymore, but redeeming the time. Because I myself wish that I was doing more for God in my younger years. But you know what? Praise be to him that he allows me now and has continued in various forms of service. But you know, even something as simple as listening to this message is time with him that we are dedicating together wherever you are. So let's do that in continuing here in verse 4. I'm sorry, not uh, verse 4, verse 28 through 30. I was getting uh, confused here. 
In verse 28 through 30, And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord who speaks to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I, I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? You know, the patience of God is definitely beyond most, as, as this was now the seventh time. This was the seventh time that Moses protested about being used by God. And, and when God is using someone or something, you know, it will come into action. We understand ourselves in our shortcomings, but with God we have seen the ordinary become the extraordinary, right? And that is only through God that that has happened. You know, we, we should focus a little less on ourselves and start focusing more on the Lord because He's more fascinating than we are. But if I can let you, if I can let you in on a little secret, and to some it's a secret, but to those who have known God for a time, this is simply a reminder. And it is simply to let God move. To let God move, to let Him work and speak through you versus doing it on your own. Because we get ourselves into so much trouble when we do these things on our own behalf. And at times, after disaster hits, we question God, why did you let this happen? Well, I could almost hear it now that he would say, well, I wasn't invited or asked to lead. <laughs> so, you know, some people also say, well, God is in control of all things. He could have saved them from the turmoil. Well, yes, he could, but he allowed it for his purpose. If those who question God are still here on earth, after the situation that they've gone through, they can actually thank him, they can thank God for preserving them first. And then they could learn from God and say, okay, Lord, take the wheel. I'm absolutely fine in the passenger seat. Moses may have been a leader of the people, but he wasn't over the people. Because that would actually take a solemn responsibility away from God. You know, it'll be an amazing adventure through Exodus because we will see the difference between the workings of man and the hand of God. And the Bible, as I like to put it, is the word of God first. And from there, it is the mind of God. It is the heart of God. It's the hand of God, the likes and the dislikes of God, the demeanor of God, and the list goes on. And, and so much... So much is revealed to us, and I urge all to read the whole thing. It's absolutely fascinating. I urge you to go to a church or a home Bible study group that is actually teaching the Bible and the whole Bible, and, and teaching it for what it's saying, because that is absolutely priceless. And, and speaking of priceless, there was two things that were priceless to God, and that was His only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, and every one of us in this world are priceless to God. In what, in which is why He sent His only begotten Son to die on our behalf. See, we've been in trouble from the beginning of time due to sin. And that cannot be refuted. Because if you've lived long enough and have left your home, if you've gone to school or if you watch or read the news, that is the greatest advertisement right there of mankind's fall. But the thing is, they don't tell you or guide you to a saving grace in that of Christ. 
You know, a voice in the distance is a calling to teach the whole word of God for what it's saying. It's to, you know, to lead people to the Lord for salvation and to be here to pray for all who need prayer, love, and support wherever you are, whoever you are in the world. But nothing, nothing will be better than being with God and then, and then the coming of Christ Jesus, right? The coming of Christ Jesus was the purpose of a once and for all sacrifice. It was done once and it was done for all. All people from all places and all ages. And so, do you want to know God? Do you know God, right? Do you want to know Him? Do you want to go to heaven? Perhaps you thought that you would be there because, you know, you've done some great things throughout your life. And, and that's wonderful. But it would obviously have been done for self-gratification if it weren't done for God. Uh, perhaps you believe in God, but you just never really knew Him or, or thought about being a part of Him. And that unfortunately cannot get you into heaven either. One simple thing can, and that's receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. And that is the greatest decision that you can ever make in your life. And as always, I want to give the opportunity from wherever you are because He will receive you with joy and gladness. You know, it's amazing that the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one is saved. Can you imagine that when you give your life to the Lord? Imagine the angels and the heavenly hosts singing about your future residency with them. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You know, we all love surprise parties and we all love to be a part of something. But to know that just by simply saying the prayer of faith to receive Christ, that all of heaven is actually rejoicing. Rejoicing because of, of your decision to be a part of Him. And by doing that, gives you an access to be with Him. He gives you an access into heaven. But you've got to receive Him. You've got to receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. Not just Savior, because a lot of people want a Savior, they just don't want the Lord. <laughs> we've got to have both. Allow Him to save you and allow Him to be your Lord, because that will save you in, in, in a lot of things in life too. And as always, I want to give the opportunity... I want to give you the opportunity right now to say a prayer with me to receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins, for I confess to you that I am a sinner. Please, wash away all of my sins, Lord, as I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I thank you for giving me a place with you in heaven, Lord. And I thank you for coming and doing what you've done, Lord. Receive me, Lord, as I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and my Father. For I love you and I praise you. And I receive you now. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Well, again, I want to encourage you to... To if you've received God, I want to encourage you to to remember to to remember that part where He is not just Lord, but He's a Savior. He's also Lord and Savior. Because if He's not your Lord, then then what are you going to have? <laughs> You're going to be relying on yourself. Well, He's still alive and active, and He wants to prove that to you. And and so you've made the right decision if you've said, Lord, I want you. So now make the right decision in continuing to walk with Him. 
And it'll be a blessing to hear from you or to see you in eternity. So all love to you and may God bless and keep you and your family. God bless you.